Lord, we just sang, have thine own way. We don't even realize sometimes what we're asking. But the good news is it doesn't matter whether we ask it or not. Because if we're yours, then you are the potter. And we are the clay. If you don't have absolute sway, well, we won't make it. We can't get there on our own. You can bring us there on your own. But we ask you today as we dig into your word that you would bring us yet another step forward in making and molding us after your way, after your will, according to your plan, a tapestry of eternity. We don't see, but we don't need to because you are the master weaver that puts it all together. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're looking at Isaiah 61, 1 through 4. Again, apps, tablets, laptops, or the book itself. Isaiah 61, 1 through 4. Isaiah 61, 1 through 4. Say, Pastor Stan, why do you keep repeating that? Because some of us old folks, we have trouble. <laughs> and we hear the verse and miss the chapter. And, oh boy, it's fun. It's something. <clears throat> but God is good. Amen. Isaiah 61, 1 through 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build the ancient ruins, they shall raise up the former devastations, they shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. The word of the Lord. I recall a young Puerto Rican man in his mid-30s. From New York, he was hanging out for a minute in Lancaster and we were sharing and he said, I want to be a policeman. Well, for crying out loud, you know, how much do we want to have police and, police and officers be, be at, as members of the community? 
be a part of the force. And he was one of those. He had one problem. When he was 17 years old, he committed a crime himself. And now he has a record. And if you were going to be a policeman in the part of New York he wanted to serve, you had to not ever have a record. For him, that was like the end of becoming what he desired to become and what his community needed so desperately. So how is he going to be able to build a new life if this chain is still a part of his life? What can a system do to recognize real change in people's lives? Yet in a context where they experience repeat offenders. And but somehow let a guy like him be set free from those chains and build new life. This is what Isaiah is in, some, in a real sense talking about. Because the nation of Israel was in exile. And they're in captivity. And how? Is there a word? Is there something to encourage them that one day they might be free? And as Isaiah is speaking this word to the nation, there's something going on there. Something bigger than just them in the exile. That's what we're going to be looking at today. And in seeing how that relates to our own time, particularly in the New Testament and beyond. Now, the speaker here that Isaiah is, 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 well, let me back up. Isaiah is giving voice to the speaker here. So it's not so much Isaiah speaking, it's Isaiah speaking for this person, this servant Messiah. And this servant Messiah is declaring and announcing that he's been anointed to do something. Again, Isaiah has no idea who this is. But whoever it is is going to preach the good news to the poor, the afflicted, and the meek. He is going to bind up the pieces of life for those with broken hearts. He is going to proclaim liberty to captives. Opening of the prison, those who are bound. He will proclaim the year of favor in relationship to Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel. And vengeance against injustice. Now Isaiah is referring to when he talks about the year of the Lord's favor, something called the year of Jubilee. It was part of the Jewish Torah. It was a part of the Sabbath system. The end of seven Sabbaths, the 49th year, however that cycle started, that 50th year was to be a year of jubilee. And that year included some seriously economic changes. Debts were to be canceled throughout the land. Slaves were to be released. Property lost 
as time went on, will be returned back to the original owner. It was a huge reset of the economy. Sadly, we have no record that that practice was ever performed. So we don't know what happened if they had actually done it. And there's a, there's a huge uh, discussion that has gone on for years about the Jubilee and even how it might apply today, which we don't have time to get into here. But it was a huge reset. Now, in, 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 in involved in all of this was something else the servant Messiah was going to be doing. They were going to be exchanging things with his people. He was going to exchange a headdress, a garland, a crown of beauty for ashes. Oil of gladness and rejoicing for mourning. Exchanging a garment of praise for the spirit of despair. This is what Israel's Messiah was going to do for a people in exile and captivity. And it was going to change them. It was going to change them in such a way that they would take on a new character. They would become oaks of righteousness. The oaks being a sign of strength and durability. You ever seen an oak tree? I was out one, one, there's lots of them around here, right? I'm just looking at this tree. Straight up. No matter how the wind blew, they stood strong. They're too high to climb. But yet they soared into the proverbial heavens. I imagine myself being, you know, six years old and looking at that tree and realizing how big it is. They would be oaks of righteousness. And these oaks would be recognized as having been planted by the Lord for his glory. As a result, they would be able to build after they return. A question for your average Israelite is what it's going to happen when, if we ever get free. Will we have the strength, the fortitude, the vision, the mind, the motivation to do anything other than just lay there? The answer is no, you will not just lay there. You will be able to see the ruins of their lives and the nation. Important places that were built long ago that used to sustain the nation and now they're in ruins you would be able to see that that devastation can be restored. That God would give a vision of restoration. Even as they repented for the sin rebellion that brought the destruction in the first place. Can can we just pause just for a moment? One of the marks of our culture is when a person's life cr cracks up, they don't want to turn back to that moment when they got off track and repent or even admit that they got off track. You know, I've lived long enough to watch people's lives, you know, 
run the cycle. And they never look back and say, that's where I screwed. I encourage you, whoever you may be, that's what repentance is. That's what confession is all about. When you know you've strayed and you're living the consequences, admit it. Confess it. That's how you get back on track and build. That's part of it. All right. I just had to put that out there. Now, if you keep reading, you'll find out that the character of this Messiah is one who loves justice and hates robbery, which is the act of taking away something in injustice and wrongdoing. That he judges faithfully in behalf of those he is in covenant with, and they are always under his care. Now, getting back to that question that our young people were asking at the Wednesday Bible study, did this ever get fulfilled? And yes, to a degree it did. Ezra and Nehemiah is the book, the books that chronicle the return from the exile. But God has, in the future, a deeper revelation of this return from exile. You know, of course Israel had their own idea about exile. You know, they're, they're going to be this, this huge, you know, you know, return. They're going to, you know, the dominion of David and Solomon will be regained. And it wasn't quite like that. I mean, you know, God has a plan. So Isaiah's was fulfilled, but not completely. There's something coming. The beginning of that coming happened in a temple when a man named Jesus, as his custom was, went to the temple one Sunday morning. And there was a scroll from the book, or I should say the scroll from the book of Isaiah, was handed to him. He took that scroll and turned to this passage in that scroll. And the Bible says all eyes were on him. <laughs> you know, whenever Jesus was about to do anything, something was about to jump off. And some people were anticipating that. He just takes the scroll and he turns to that passage and he reads another part of it, of the book, what we have is verses chapter 58, 6, and reads the following. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. There's a slight difference between this text and the Isaiah text. For those who are into the technical business, there's one, there's a line, the line about the prisons in the Isaiah text actually has two Parts to it, and both parts show up here in Luke. The uh, recovery of sight to the blind and liberty to those who are oppressed. 
So he reads it. He sits down. And everybody's waiting for what's going to happen next. And he says, today, this passage is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, can you imagine the ripple effect that would have? What? Wow, that is amazing. That's their first reaction. The second reaction was, well, wait, 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 hold on. Wait, wait, hold, wait, hold on. What did he just say? Why well, ain't that Joseph's and Mary's boy? Yeah, he, he used to eat cookies in our kitchen with the rest of the kids. What's he doing saying that? Ooh. Well, you know, if you read the rest of that, you'll find out that the whole thing started to go downhill after that. <laughs> in terms of their recognizing that, in fact, the servant Messiah was in their presence. And we know now that the work that Jesus did on Calvary indeed brought the proverbial year of Jubilee into its first stages of being realized. Now, there is a coming a day when the whole year of Jubilee will be the standard because it will be a new heaven and new earth. Where not only will debts be canceled, there won't be no more debts. Not only will slaves be released, there will be no more slavery. Can you understand why those old slaves back in the 19th century relied on that hope when they found it? You know, Muhammad Ali, you were wrong when you said you don't want your pie by and by. You want it now. Are you kidding? They knew there was no pie now like the pie by and by. They knew that. And they hung on to that hope. That's why we African Americans are still here. Because they had a hope to hang on to. Hallelujah. We can be thankful for them folks. Now, the time of the Lord's favor is here. And it comes, the righteousness that comes isn't ours. It is his. But we put on that righteousness as a bride puts on the wedding garments. Because she is about to enter into a life-changing relationship. Now, the groom does too. But we are the bride of Christ in this situation. And we, are, we do enter into a whole new relationship forever. And we put on his garment of righteousness. We are the ones who were in exile to sin and misery. We're the ones that were in exile. And now, whether Jew or Gentile, slave, free, male, female, it doesn't matter. We can enter into the year of Jubilee, the Lord's favor. <laughs> now, I would like to kind of walk through what this all means for us individually, what this also means for the world and for our body. First of all, if you are brokenhearted and mourning, he came to give through his death on the cross 
the great exchange. You can exchange your sin, as we said earlier, for his robe of righteousness. But you can also exchange your robe of sinful lifestyles according to the lusts of the flesh and of the mind for his garment of thinking, speaking, and living according to his word. You can exchange your robe of wreckage because you've been following Dame Folly for the riches of Lady Wisdom. You can exchange the ashes of your life ravaged by sin for a life crowned with his beauty. That means your broken life can become so beautiful even after being crippled by consequences that others will know that you are blessed of the Lord. You might still have that limp, okay? You might still be in recovery. Okay? But people will see the work of Jesus in your life and that you are blessed of the Lord. You can exchange your regret cycles, your if-onlys, and all the other acts of mourning for the oil of gladness. An anointing oil that promotes healing and mending and a new vision for life. You know, we'll never get back to the Garden of Eden. But we got something better coming. You're not going to ever get back to your Garden of Eden either. But God's got new life in store for you. You can exchange the spirit of despair for the garment of praise. In every situation, we are told to give praise and to give thanks. You have reason to give praise, praise because the greatness of our God that we serve, in whose hand our lives rest, in spite of the ruins that are all around us, he will work them out for our good. Hallelujah. This exchange does give us the strength and motivation to look into the future rather than simply into the past and plunge in the shovel and begin to rebuild life. Amen. But you know, God takes the broken, the sinful, he heals, he rescues for reason. He does it so that we can become rebuilders. So this not only has implications for us, it has implications for the world around us. As I was looking at this passage, I noticed something. I don't know if you see it, but then th let me put it this way. This equips not only the people of God, the Church of Christ, but it equips this local body in particular. Did you notice it talks about a crown of beauty and the oil of joy? 
There's our name, crown and joy. That's it. There's our name. Now, I understand that that came from a different passage, but it's here too. Crown of beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. If you keep looking at this passage, you will also hear our calling. Not only will you see our name, you will hear our calling. What is our calling? God has called us to be oaks of righteousness. Not our righteousness, but his. That people within the spheres of our influence, our jobs, our schools, where we hang out, our neighbors, our local communities, can see that we are the planting of the Lord. Remember when the apostles were being examined by the Pharisees in the book of Acts and they noted that they had been with Jesus. That's us. People will know and see as he works in us that we have been with Jesus. That's our calling. We can also look at this passage and understand our mission. We see our name. We hear our calling. We understand our mission. What is our mission? To be rebuilders. Rebuilders were the good, the true, and the beautiful that our dear creator put in place has been lost. The mark of a culture in decline is it loses its treasures. But we are rebuilders. We rebuild such things as the purpose of singleness, the purpose of marriage, and the purpose of family. It is a revolution to, for the baby mama and the baby daddy to get married and raise the children they brought into the world. As much as I support and brothers and sisters that I know support adoption, the stories in those adoptive situations are frightening at times, heartbreaking at times. I don't know if adoption, which is definitely a positive thing, can ever be a substitute for mama and daddy coming together and raising their children. There, 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 you know, people say there's, there's just no substitute, really. But in the midst of the brokenness, adoption is a wonderful way of children not being left orphan, even though some of the stories are heartbreaking on the other end, till God has finished doing the work in their lives. Where the forces of injustice and ungodly social trends have left communities here and beyond our shores in ruins, we are rebuilders. Where people in, of, over generations have been devastated, we are rebuilders. That's our mission. Not only as a body in general, but our body here at Crown and Joy. Uh, do you know what we bring to the table in order to fulfill this mission? 
the scriptures have been telling us, right? We bring the gospel of good news to, of Jesus Christ to the poor of all types, in spirit, in mind, in emotions, in economics, in culture, in body. We bring the good news to the poor of all types. We bring the bandages for the wounds of sexually and domestically abused. We bring bandages for those who've been wounded by injustice, by shame, shame of all types, like white guilt. We bring bandages for healing. We proclaim liberty to those who are captive to addictions, self-sabotaging lifestyles, habits, and other forms of captivity. We bring that. We open the prison doors of sin and the power of darkness to freedom. And we proclaim the year of the Lord offering forgiveness and reconciliation with himself and the possibility of walking in the favor of God. I've told you about the, the, the man back in Lancaster who told me I thought God was mad at me because I killed a man 25 years ago and did 11 years in prison for it. And one day he realized Whoa, you mean God still loves me? The possibility of me becoming united with Christ is possible? The answer is yes. The year of the Lord's favor is here. So we become agents that are able to soberly look at the troubles in our communities and the lives of people we know and yet with love and hope See the possibilities of what God can do in spite of the devastation that is there. And that's sometimes hard to do. And it does take God working in us to do it. I'll make that confession now, so if I say something that looks like I don't have no hope, you can think, oh yeah, Lord, touch him. <laughs> Give him, give him eyes of hope. I mean, the Lord has to give us eyes of hope. He just does. And sometimes that eyes of hope has to take on very, a very sober lens to it, if you please. Some people call that tough love. You know, it just does. Again, we can't do that on our own strength. The Spirit of the Lord has to anoint us. But he does through Christ. So that we can proclaim the age of grace and favor of God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps one of you sitting out here right now may be one of the people who can help that young man who wanted to be a policeman eventually be able to build life. It's probably a two-edged sword. Changes he'll have to make in his life, changes in the system. But whatever it is, you could be an instrument to help young men like him be able to rebuild life. Amen? Let's pray.
Lord, it is a heavy calling. But I pray, Lord, that as you work in our sinfulness and brokenness, that it will spur us on, it will springboard, it will stir up in us to go out and be rebuilders in the world. Thank you, Lord, first of all, for giving us the hope that our own lives, whatever level of brokenness we have experienced, some of us may only have a, a brokenness that looks like the rich young ruler. Their life has got it all together. But yet they need you. Some of us may look like uh, the, the woman who was a sinner. Just her life's been a complete wreck and everybody knows it. And she finds you, finds forgiveness, and just empties everything at your feet. Wherever we stand on that continuum, Lord, we thank you that because of the cross, we can embrace the year of the Lord's favor. We can experience the, 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 the year of the Lord's favor, this age of grace. And then, Lord, we can be instruments in your hands to bring this age of grace to those around us. Lord, we need your power to do that. We need you to work in our lives so that we can do that. Equip us so we can do that, Lord. And people in this town will know that Cran and Joy exists, is real, is there. Because their lives have been touched by someone who has been with Jesus, who hangs out in this body. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for doing your work in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.